Welcome to Level Up, the podcast that's dedicated to the higher education community that brings you countless stories of employees, students, and the faculty's journey in this remote world we live in. We will explore the many adversity that each one of us experience and share our story to inspire and inform. This is your host, Dr. Leland, a serial educator, an opportunities designer, and a compassionate leader. All right, Level Up listeners, I have a wonderful guest today. I'm super excited to share with you, Javier Chan. Can you introduce yourself to Level Up? Absolutely. Uh, so my name is Javier Chan. I'm CEO and co-founder at Processing Labs. I'm originally from Costa Rica, and the company is based in towns like Costa Rica. What we do is we develop college-level educational games. All right. Tell me a little bit about yourself, like how you started, where it started, and why did you start it? Sure, absolutely. So I'm an electronics engineer. Uh, that's my degree. Graduated back home in Costa Rica. Right after getting my degree, I started working at Intel, uh, chip manufacturers, uh, with one of my closest friends from my whole life, like since the second grade. We were working in the same department at Intel, just, you know, those uh, coincidences of life. And while working there, we started just bouncing ideas about having our own, our own business, our own, our own thing, right? And so after five years, a little bit over five years of, of working there, we decided to make the jump. And we started our, our own company that wasn't processing labs, no. That was a like a software factory. So we would develop mobile mobile games for third parties. So if uh, Level Up wanted a, a mobile app uh, for themselves, we would just give you a quote and develop it for you. Like software factory type of thing. A couple of years into that venture, we met processing labs third co-founder, uh, Luis Lopez. He's a college professor. I met him through a cousin of mine that was a student of his during his uh, MBA. And just on the first, uh, the first time we met, we just started talking about what what we do, what each each one of us does, our passions, what we like. And he mentioned that he was using some educational simulations or, or games, but that they were pretty outdated. He showed them to us, and we we saw that there was a, a huge potential to like just combine both of our areas of expertise. You know, like the whole modeling of processes and designing the simulation and our uh, on our end, just building the app, the, the UI, UX the interfaces, just making everything very easy, touch-friendly, convenient for, for, for both ends, both the students and the professors. And just after a couple of meetings, we just created a company and started working. This was back in 2016, mid-2016. And since then, we've been going strong. Yeah, entrepreneurship. I, I mean, that's kind of nice, though. It's like an in-house, like, okay, we can do the software already. Now we have this idea. Let's just marry it together and put it on. I love that. So so what is it like to build a simulation? Normally, the process, it goes something like this. Well, first, <clears throat> we do some simulations that are uh, our own simulations, and then we do others uh, in conjunction or partnership with educational institutions. But regardless of that, we would just choose a process or something that we want to, to simulate, right? Perhaps it's a teaching goal, like so thinking of the teaching goal first and then deciding how do what do we model to, to, to have students uh, learn that or put that to practice, or uh, we just grab a, a, a popular topic in a certain uh, field, let's say, 
like in business administration, for example, so we will build a company to allow students to manage that. And then once we choose that, it's uh, it, the, the next step is to model the behavior of that virtual company or virtual country or whatever we choose to uh, represent in, in our simulation. So and modeling is basically in software, just doing little boxes that would have behaviors uh, depending on the inputs or decisions, in this case, from the students, right? After the model is done, we will go ahead and start programming the interfaces and just the uh, human-facing part of the simulation and put it all together, launch it on the App Store, and we're good to go. Hmm. So the one that I saw, like the process sims, like the Medica specifica, like how, how long did that take you guys to build that? That one took the longest because it was our first. We've been we've done a couple of iterations and upgrades. Like we're we're constantly doing upgrades, adding new adding new features, moving things, just redoing the the interfaces and whatnot. But when we built the first uh, version of it, that one took about six months from from the ground up. So on on average now, how long do you think you would be able to build a simulation if like a university would ask for it? It really depends on the complexity of what you want us to model and build. But normally, based on the, the projects that we've uh, executed uh, in, in these five years, it goes from between three months to six months. Again, depending on the complexity, right? Modeling a country is a lot more complex than modeling a company, for example. Wow. And since you partner up with a bunch of other universities, how is this helping or revolutionize the education industry, in your opinion? Sure. Uh, well, the, the thing that I like the most about what we do is getting the feedback from the students. Like They they really enjoy, they love the, the part of the, the active learning aspect of working with simulations, right? That's not just the one-way communication in the most typical uh, lecture, right, where you're just listening to your professor or reading a book. It's it's one direction, right? When you're working with simulations, you're it's it's a bi-directional. So you're putting you're you're inputting things into something and getting uh, feedback from it, right? That's the the, the role of the simulation. So I, I believe I, I am I am very very convinced that it's the active learning part, the one that really changes the whole learning process, right? The, uh, it it allows you to to exercise so 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 many different skills besides what normally is in. Uh, memory in some cases, right? In some courses, it's very memory-based, right? But in this case, you're exercising problem-solving, decision-making, critical thinking, you know, like since the the, the virtual environment, uh, it's it's constantly changing, it's it's throwing curveballs uh, to you uh, in some cases. So you're uh, like on your feet thinking and analyzing the data that you have in front of you. It makes it a, a much more, uh, it, it's a much more rich uh, educational environment more realistic of what would happen in the real life, except you don't lose this much money <laughs> in the simulation. Exactly. That's it's a controlled environment. That's yeah. the, the whole idea. Uh, break things now. You're, you're learning now. You're in school now. So it's it's uh, one of the things that I like when, when, when we work with professors, I really like when the professor takes the approach of not grading the students based on the results obtained in the simulation, but based on how they can defend those results. Because mm -hmm. uh, you can fail at managing the virtual country or company or whatnot. But if you really learn from those mistakes, that's the, that's, that should be the goal, right? Learning from those mistakes is what's important and making them now, like I said, rather than when you're actually running a company or working for one. Yeah, 
I think that I like that because it's continuously having critical thinking analysis. Like, okay, you make a mistake here, but why do you think, what should you do with that mistake? How should you be able to fix that the next time around? So I like that. So we actually got introduced because of the MIT. So what is it like working with MIT doing simulations with their, you know, annual competition? It's, uh, it was really cool when we managed to, to get to work with them uh, first time. Uh, so this competition is called uh, OpsimCom, which is short for Operation Simulation Competition. This year, 2022, was the 18th uh, annual uh, time they, they ran it. Before working with us, they were working with a different uh, company, a different simulation uh, provider. And they started working with us, uh, it was 2019, 20, 2020 maybe. And since then, we've been working together. And it was quite a milestone for us. It was a lot of validation, you know, like a, a lot of, it helped us a ton with just exposure and just, uh, again, validating when professors learned that MIT was using our simulation instead of uh, one of perhaps a competitor of, of ours, it raised eyebrows and it made, made them contact us asking, like, I want to learn about uh, the simulation that MIT, MIT chose to, to, to work with now and stuff like that. So it was really, really exciting and very, very good for the company. It is. And actually, I, if I was the co-founder, I'd be like, yes, we hit a huge milestone, right? Like you said, like pat in the back. I actually just don't remember. Maybe last week I went to a an international forum for all business leaders and admin in the education industry. It's a global one. It's I think there's like Africa, Dubai, Singapore, India, like all the big education People were there. They were talking about, you know, having a simulation as the future of ensuring that classes, especially in the MBA program, should have some type of simulations. And it made me think about you. I'm like, I wonder if Javier is exposed to those people to know, you know, what is it like as far as the future of your company? Like, where are you guys heading? Are you going to create more simulations? Because right now it's like processing, manufacturing. Have you, have you thought about maybe like a leadership type of simulation? Like if you hire this many people and one or two of these leaders that you have really are not conducive to your company culture, what would happen? That would be interesting, don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. So right now our day-to-day -day is we have basically two fronts to our business. One is growing our portfolio of simulations, so creating new simulations for different topics. We have some in supply chain, macroeconomics, sustainability, services in the services industry, etc. Um, and the other one is just growing our market share, just basically um, getting to work with more and more professors and institutions. About the future, there's a, a clear path uh, to, keep, to keep working that way, just growing our portfolio. But ideally, we want to get to the point where our portfolio is rich enough like and diverse enough that Maybe we can start getting into like longer term arrangements with universities, kind of like a Netflix for simulation games, right? So you pay your your monthly uh, yearly fee and then your professors have access to any of the simulations that we have in our portfolio. Uh, there's all, of course, room for uh, thinking about VR or AR, like incorporating, incorporating those technologies into our simulations. Uh, to be honest, we've thought about it. Uh, we just feel it's not the right time because it just creates some a little bit more of a barrier like to uh, an adoption barrier right so right now every student has a phone or most students have a phone with them so they can just download the app and start playing if you start uh, needing to have like a virtual reality headset and whatnot just makes it a little bit more 
complicated to, to adopt or start working with it, but it's it's coming for sure. Like that's it's I don't think we're that far when uh, from from everybody having easier access to, to VR or AR technology. We just not there yet, but we definitely have that in the, in our in our radar. Innovators, so yeah, I have a VR, and it actually makes me dizzy when I put it on. Yeah, it makes We've me dizzy. Mm -hmm. And so, actually, they're using it. I think Johns Hopkins are using it for patients who have hot Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, yes. So basically, what it is, it's a, it triggers memory to practice, you know, certain memories that they have. And um, it's actually they use a study, a pilot study that says that their brain functions more when you, they use VR on the on the places that they've been to and just kind of reflect. Oh, wow. But I like to travel to my VR. Sometimes I go to Italy with it and pretend that I was walking mm -hmm. around, you know, yeah. in a shopping mall. But I can't do it so much because I feel dizzy, like sick, right, right, you know, right. motion mm -hmm. sickness. I'm like, I don't understand. There's so much potential there, but there's, there still, there's still things that need to improve a little bit. Yeah, I think that people are definitely going, and there's a lot of virtual worlds out there now that are doing it, but I don't know if the education, I think education is slowly getting there. I think some um, universities outside of the United States, I think starting to do it. I think somewhere in University of Beijing is starting there. But I think it's that dizziness that I'm like, I don't know if I wanna buy that, you know, for mm -hmm. to be in class. So right, I'm glad right. you guys are heading towards that. Now, if a decision maker is listening right now to this podcast and is interested in using your simulation, how would you describe it to someone? You're like, okay, this is why you should have us. Right. So why, I guess one of the main selling points or advantages that we have really is the convenience. Like I was saying before, like uh, you, you don't need to worry about external hardware, additional hardware. You don't need to worry about computer labs in some cases. Like we're from, from Latin America and Latin America, it's not that rare that a university would have a computer lab for their students to to, to work from, uh, and then our solution gives them freedom from that. You can play from the classroom, you can play from a park, right, from with your phone. But in, in any case, the whole principle of learning by doing, that's the, the biggest selling point, the biggest advantage. We, we believe that students nowadays, they, particularly the younger generations, right, that are so used for instant gratification from things being more dynamic. They need things to, to keep uh, bringing their, uh, to keep their attention, right? In, in the subject matter that they're trying to learn. And we see so many, so many educational technologies for younger kids, like in the classes, they're working with iPads, they're working with different touch screens and whatnot. And then are, are we expecting, are we respecting that these kids, once they get to college level, they go back to learning just from the book. Right, so that's uh, we we help with that. We help keep them interested, keep them engaged. Student engagement uh, really increases when they're using the simulation in the classroom. Uh, not only that, but we also see it in the evaluation for the courses and the professors that incorporate the simulation. There's uh, a good a good portion of uh, the professors also benefit from looking at the, as a more current and up-to-date professor like with the with the latest technologies right Lamer terms you're the cool teacher right because you're, <laughs> yeah. you're letting them you're letting them use their phones in class and, and for their assignments uh right are using this tool that in some cases has been considered as a negative right so uh, the students get distracted in the classroom so now we're giving that spin and making it useful and, and advantageous to have to have their students use, use their phone to for, for their learn for learning purposes basically which is nice. You're taking the pop, the negative into a positive. I'm like, okay, you guys want to fiddle? Fiddle with this, you know, simulations and stuff like yeah. that. 
So that's that's actually really amazing. Are you guys thinking of doing like K to 12 or is it just right now for higher education? Right now, it's just for higher education. We've done some experiments with K-12. And to be honest, the, the kids love it. Like they have so much fun. Again, they're playing with their phones. Uh, in some cases, just like we call it students, in some cases they're learning without even realizing that they are, right? The thing is that our simulations are a little bit too complex. So mm. they, as much as they enjoy managing the company or, or running over, or running uh, ruling over a country, sorry, they're not that great with the finances, for example. So they're just making decisions without having, uh, thinking too much of the consequences. Uh, and that's where we realize that that's kind of like the problem. So we would have to adjust them or, or change the scenarios a little bit or, or maybe more than a little bit to make it uh, a little bit easier, a little bit simpler for, for K-12. And that's just, we, we don't have the bandwidth at the moment, but it's, yeah. we've done the experiments, we've learned from them a lot, uh, but right now we're focusing on, on higher education, trying to, trying to grow the market, and perhaps in the future that will be future, yeah. uh, something. I could see that in, I think, high school, K-12, to especially junior, senior in high school should have a finance class, you know, to learn mm -hmm. how to budget. And yeah. since everyone loves shopping, imagine you have a simulation of just shopping and how to budget your money. So you would make them work, right, for eight hours, have them buy whatever their needs. Like, I don't know if you play Animal Crossing. I'm in love with that game for 16 years yeah. now. <laughs> kind of like that, but a simulation for finance. Like, okay, we give you a budget. This is how much you make for working. So you work eight hours, and then now you go shopping for all this. How, why would you do that? And having them to think about financing and budget before they go to college, I think it's amazing. I just gave you an idea, I Javier. Agree. I, I completely <laughs> agree with you. We've drafted, yeah. drafted some things regarding that, and then... Time, of course, would go faster, right? And then yeah, you reach, perhaps you, you reach retirement age in the simulation and you realize how much money you ended up with because yeah. you saved X amount of your of your salary uh, month after month. And what would, what would have happened if you, instead of buying X house, you, you buy this other house yeah. or save your money differently. And so you can learn from all of those different results and those different decisions throughout life in a shorter of yeah. time, right? You can marry Monopoly, Animal Crossing together, and then <laughs> make Sims, it happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's great. Thank you so much for your time today. Do you have any last minute thing? Like, where could they find your simulation if professors are looking for it? So we are uh, in most social uh, media. So we have a, a LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, our website, of course, prosimlabs.com. And if they want to reach out uh, to me directly, that's javier.chen at prosimlabs.com. Feel free to reach out. I'll be more than happy to uh, schedule a meeting and, and uh, walk you through our platform, our simulations, and the projects that we have coming uh, soon as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. I will get the information to you guys from Javier if you're interested. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Constance. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. If you want to be a guest on my podcast or have questions, email me at levelupbydocleland at gmail.com. Docleland spells D-O-C-L-E-Y-L-A-N-D at gmail.com. I will see you soon in my next episode. Stay connected, informed, and inspired. Until next time.